0: You're listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 157, covering Duet and In the Hands of Prophets. Friends, we're at the end of Season 1 of DS9 already.
1: That came out of nowhere.
0: How did that even happen?
1: Like, that just flew past.
0: Well, we're, like, one-seventh of the way done already. Oh,
1: man. It's going to be Voyager in no time at
0: all. Well, we just... Th- we got these two episodes It's like, a fucking one-two punch of, like, hey, you don't think the show's quite right yet? Guess what? Pow. Now it is. Oh. And it is, too. Like, these two completely these are just make it DS9, like, in... You know.
1: Excellent DS9 episodes. Yes.
0: And, uh, you know, if you've been wondering, well, what is this show about? You guys keep talking about, you know, it's different than every other Star Trek show. What do you mean... Well, these are the two that, yeah. where it really happens, and this uh, shows you
1: exactly why DS9 is is different than yep. TNG or original series,
0: or even those other ones. Yeah, the animated series,
1: the animated series, uh, the
0: new voyages. Yep, that other one. Uh, second phase, right? Phase two. Uh, Do motion
1: picture
0: <laughs> <laughs> con. Min. Khan. Kruge General <laughs> Chang. uh, A whale. A whale. Is that the villain?
1: Uh, the, yes, the villain of Star Trek IV is a whale. Is it,
0: how come there was no whale action figure then? I had all the Playmates action figures and all the villains were there, but I, they didn't have a whale.
1: Well, you had to go to, like, SeaWorld and just buy a whale.
0: Oh. But it wasn't scaled to the other figures.
1: No, it was a super whale. Mm. Then you could have, uh then you could have your Spock action figure ride it and get stuck in the blowhole.
0: Or I could just do some clever wordplay and use Keiko as the whale. because <laughs> Keiko is a, is a whale, you see. Stupid whale! <laughs> Why don't I tell you about this episode? Oh yeah, that thing that we do. Right, the episode what is called Duet, which I commonly refer to as the first great episode of this show, and I stand by that. Yep. I'm u- I'm usually wrong if you guys haven't noticed yet. When I say okay, season three is going to be terrible, and then I'm wrong. Yeah. We're like okay, this this next one is going to be the best thing we've ever done, and then it's not. It's but not. This, this is the first time I think where I'm actually right. Where I say Duet is the first great episode, and it is. So, a freighter arrives at DS Nine carrying a passenger suffering from Kalanora, a deadly disease only carried by former Bajoran mine slaves, Cardassian war criminals, and probably somebody on Voyager. Since we'll be blowing our Bejor wad in the next nose wrinkling episode, and voyages at least still a year from being on the air, it ends up being the middle one. The Cardassian one. The war criminal one. With a bitchin' pompadour, gull, <laughs> gull helmet hair, or maritza as he prefers to be called, claims he's a simple filing clerk despite Kira's insistence that he must have been in a place called Galatap, where a fuckload of Bajorans were worked to death, tortured, killed, maimed, folded, and spindled. <laughs> Eventually, Maritza confesses that, yes, he was there, but he was still just a filing clerk and he was only following orders anyway. Speaking of only following orders, Sisko gets a call from our old friend Gul Dukat. Okay, he's only been on the show once before, but trust me, he'll be our old friend soon enough. Dukat demands that Maritza be released from custody on account of he didn't do anything. Also, no Cardassians never did anything, <laughs> because they're a great and proud race and how dare any filthy Bajoran suggest otherwise. <laughs> but then Maritza accidentally reveals that he's actually Gul Darhil, the so-called butcher of Galatep. And it's not because of his well-priced meats that they called him a butcher, if you get my meaning. (laughs) He and Kira get into a shouting match, but then a small amount of legwork on Odo's part reveals that he can't be called Darheel because that dude is dead. (laughs) Despite the multiple layers of lies, we managed to discover the truth. This really was Maritza in the first place. He surgically altered himself to look like Darheel so he could be captured on DS9 and put on trial on Bajor. This, he hoped, might help the Bajorans get a little closure on some of that awful shit that they were put through by those guys who were just following orders. So naturally, Maritza is stabbed to death by a Bajoran fanatic before any of this can happen, forcing Kira to realize that maybe not every Cardassian is a bad dude. Basically, it's the same lesson as in uh, Let That Be Your Last Battlefield, minus Frank Gorshin running like an idiot.
1: And the episode does admittedly suffer from the lack of that.
0: Well, most episodes do really suffer from that. I mean, you know, if we were allowed to use the same bad thing every week.
1: Mm-hmm. If only we could have gotten, like, uh, Jim Carrey, the modern Riddler, <clears> to uh, <throat> run around like an idiot. hmm I feel like the promenade's a really nice place to, to run around like an idiot.
0: Well, we've we've already seen people running with the emus. Yes. So I don't think that would be much different.
1: I would pay really good money to see uh, Jim Carrey dressed as the Riddler, wears half-black, half-white black, half makeup, running with an emu.
0: Wait, dressed as the Riddler or dressed as Frank Ocean in that episode? Dressed as the Riddler. Okay. But still with the half-black, half-white. Yes. I see. But the, the, uh, the principle ends up being the same, which is racism is bad. Yeah, in case you weren't aware, racism is bad. Although, here, somehow it's done in a way that it doesn't feel like they're bonking us over the head with it.
1: No, it actually, it's a really great Kira episode.
0: It is. And this is where she turns a corner from being way too over the top to maybe mm-hmm. being a little sympathetic and maybe, like, second-guessing some of her prejudices. And yeah. Th- that's the thing about this episode and the next one. They're both very Star Trek, and yet they're nothing like any Star Trek we've ever seen before. No. But, I mean, this episode is essentially about someone with a prejudice having to, to face that and realize that, you know, maybe she's just, wrong about it.
1: Yeah, just because the guy is a Cardassian doesn't mean that he killed anyone.
0: Right. Just because Cardassians did this to you doesn't mean every Cardassian is responsible for doing that to you. Right. And, uh, you know, that's a very, like, going back to the original series sort of thing. But it doesn't feel
1: like it. No. Like, it doesn't feel it, like an original just,
0: series episode. It feels like its, its own feels- thing new you know like and it's so complex oh god yeah like at every act break we believe something different about this about this maritza slash darheel guy it keeps changing like
1: i I spent this entire episode like you can check my notes where i'm going back okay okay so i now i know where this is going it's going to turn out that he's this guy and then it's not going to happen and oh i was wrong
0: no he's got these multiple layers of lies yeah where it's like you think he's you know you think he's this guy, and then he's not, and then he's this guy, and then it turns out he was that guy. And it's never confusing. No. It's always like they, they, they lead you slowly there, and then they, they switch it up, and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it's largely two people in a room, yep. this episode, and it's still just amazing. So uh, let, let's just go into your good thing here.
1: I love the dude that plays Maritza.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's got, first of all, great voice. Yeah, he does. Great pi- set of pipes on this dude.
0: And that's the two things to me, if you're playing a Cardassian, that you have to have, is a great menacing voice and, like, super intense eyes. Yep. And he's got both of those.
1: Yep. No, I was looking into, uh, I was on Memory Alpha before we recorded, and one of the guys that works on the show talks about how this was the first appearance of the Cardassian monologue. Oh, yeah. Which is when a Cardassian will, in great detail, tell you something, because they love to hear the sound of themselves talk.
0: Now, and we'll get a lot of that from our pal uh, Gul Dukat later.
1: Our good, great friend, Goldukot.
0: I was really surprised that he appeared in the pilot and then almost the finale, and that was it. Yeah. Like, I, I remember him being a bigger part of the show earlier on.
1: Yeah. I feel like this is one of those things where it's like, you know, we had a really, that guy had did a really good job in the first episode. Let's bring him back. We need another Cardassian.
0: Right. And maybe it wasn't their plan all along to have him as a big part of the show, but he eventually no, became that. and
1: then he evolves into this huge part of the show. Yeah.
0: No, but there's we've talked before about them casting the right kind of people as Cardassians, and this guy definitely fits the category.
1: Yeah. No, but um, the dude that plays Marissa, like he basically moves through three separate characters in this episode. Like, he starts off as the, you know, sort of pissed off guy who didn't do anything. Right. And then he moves into I Am The Butcher of... Galatep. I keep wanting to say Gallifrey, which <laughs> I, no different guy. I
0: keep wanting to say Gallaudet, which is a college for deaf people. <laughs> also, no.
1: But um, no. When he goes into uh into uh uh full on butcher mode, wow.
0: Yeah. No, like, and and actually, that feeds into my bad thing just a little bit. I think sometimes some of that stuff is a little over the top. Like sometimes he gets into the scenery chewing. Where he's like, yes, I killed you, and it was my job to kill all the Majorans. I wanted to I kill all it of them too, and I'll never die. I'll kill them all. Like, I'll it's...
1: live forever and always be killing Majorans. Yeah,
0: it was, it was a little, and and Kira because Nana Visitor still plays it a little too broad, and the reason I keep giving her crap for it is because I've seen later seasons and I know she's capable of reining it in. Yeah, it's like if that was her acting, I just would have come to terms with it by now. But I know she can do better.
1: Yeah. No the th- the thing is though that shit works on Kira. Like that big like ah, you, you all deserved
0: it. It does. It does. You
1: want to find the one you want to find what drives her crazy? It's being an asshole about uh about Bajorans.
0: Yeah, being a Cardassian who who is proud of doing all that stuff yep. and who believes that they were totally justified in doing all the things they did.
1: Yep. And telling her that she didn't do anything. Right. <laughs> Because she did everything, okay. <laughs> she was a really good terrorist. Well, we had that Damn a few it.
0: weeks ago where they uncovered her file. Yeah, and it said, you know, an errand, an errand girl for the uh, for the Bajoran uh, terrorist, and she's like, "What?
1: I I love Kira, but she, God, she's easy to uh, she's easy to figure out.
0: Well, she is right now. Yeah, she definitely becomes a little more complex, and this episode is a big part of that. I think.
1: Oh yeah, totally.
0: Um. And I really like that, and and that's my good thing.
1: Yes. Why don't you tell us about that good thing? I shall. All right. the
0: uh, The last lines of the episode are: okay, the dude runs up and and uh, stabs Maritza as they're walking away, and she's like, "Why? Why did you do it?" And he says, "Because he's a Cardassian." That's enough. And there's a pause, and she's like, "No, it's not." I mean, that was that was super powerful for this character that we've seen just hate all Cardassians, and that's it. Yep. And it's a huge turning point for her. It's it's. Uh... I don't know, and and on a larger scale, it shows you what the show is capable of. These characters that stay in one place every week, which is supposed to be a, a, a criticism of the show, you start to realize: no, these characters are in the same place every week, and they have to deal with their shit. Everything that happens, you know, has consequences, and next week she's still going to be this same person.
1: See, that's why that's why I don't like the stabbing. Really? Yeah. No, I like. I mean, I like. The effect it has on Cure, I love that last line. I think it's really powerful. Yeah. I just, I feel like killing that guy kind of gives him what he wants.
0: No, it doesn't, because what he wanted was to be believed to be Gul'dar Heel and then go on trial for war crimes and be executed.
1: I don't know, it just, seems, it just seems too easy to, like, and too out of nowhere to just have him get killed off, like, five seconds before the episode ends.
0: You couldn't have that dramatic moment without that, though. I suppose that's true. And on the other hand, the the, uh, the alternative to that would have been just sending him home. Yeah. And that really wouldn't have done anything dramatically, I don't think, either. No. I get what you're saying. It feels a little neat. The,
1: it, it, that That's the problem. It's just like, you, you, you introduce this drunk guy, this drunk Bajoran. Yeah, you got Bajoran
0: Otis the Drunk in the cell yep. across the room. He's like, oh no, you're not keeping me in here with him. You listen, I don't... Huh... <sighs> <laughs> but
1: then, like, you know, it's like a second before he's about to leave the, uh, the station. Yep. Everything seems to be working out. And then this dude just runs up and stabs him with a double knife.
0: Uh, see, but that's the thing. I don't think everything's working out at all. The dude says, I got nowhere to go. Yeah. Like, he, he, he settled all his business before he left. He surgically altered himself to look like this war criminal. Like, he's going back home, but he's got nowhere to go, really. I think I got the impression they were sending him back to get help, like, at a at a mental facility or something. Yeah. Because they say, you know, there's people waiting to help you. And, like, the, the, the implication there is you're crazy. You need to be in a straitjacket. <laughs> and so things weren't exactly going to be looking up for him, I don't think.
1: I don't know. I just It always feels like when you kill the guy, like...
0: Well, you said that a couple of weeks ago. That's the easy way out. You said that a couple of weeks ago in, um... I don't remember the title. The one where Kira burned the house down. Right. You said it would have been a really easy way out for them to kill the guy. Yeah. Instead of forcing him to live with, you know...
1: It is because the guy dies, the problems all stop.
0: Right, but that's the thing. The problem here was that they thought it was one guy, and when they discovered it wasn't, he, he's his useless his usefulness is kind of over. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing more to do with him unless he sticks around.
1: Yeah, no, I get it. It just it just feels like too. But, it, it feels too easy to me.
0: Dramatically, I can see what you're saying, but uh, but I don't agree.
1: But like the what it gives to Kira, like I guess outweighs that.
0: Yeah. No, and that line that that really powerful. That's yeah. yeah no, it's not like no. And I
1: I'd, ha- I'd hate to lose that. Like that's such a yeah. just massive part of her character. It is.
0: Uh, at the very beginning of the episode, there's a alien and typical of the show, you know, well designed alien that's uh, uh, bringing Maritza onto the station, and uh, he's he's got that obey me voice, like he's oh. He sounds like every alien that James Doohan played on the animated series. It was fantastic. I have well, a pa- I have a passenger.
1: He's arriving for medical attention. (laughs) All right, we're beaming him off. No, don't take him. No. That's so lonely. (laughs) Please.
0: I love that it's hilarious to us that that guy was so lonely.
1: Yeah. Well, that's because he was a giant cloud.
0: Well, that's true.
1: That no one would be friends with. We don't
0: like clouds. No. He's a cloud. That's enough. (laughs) No. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) There's, um...
1: Still try stabbing a cloud. You're not gonna get much you're not gonna get anywhere.
0: Oh, I've 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 done a lot of that, trust me. I've been I've been trying to stab clouds for years.
1: I stab at clouds from both sides
0: now. <laughs> that sounds like a terrible book. I stab at clouds. It's
1: <laughs> the worst self-help book I've ever heard of. <laughs> stab your own cloud.
0: That just reminds me of the superego bit where you can name a cloud after someone. <laughs> cloud. <laughs> There's um, there's a there's a great sort of Silence of the Lambs vibe. Because oh, totally. Most of this episode is Maritza in the cell taunting Kira, standing outside trying to learn more information about him.
1: The thing is, I think of Silence of the Lambs every time I see a dude standing in a in a uh, like a glass. Oh
0: yeah, that glass cage thing is absolutely yeah. just you know that's where that came just... from.
1: It was the same thing in uh, Into Darkness when we had uh, Khan standing in the, uh, right. the glass box for all that time.
0: Except he didn't really get to Kirk. No. It wasn't It wasn't the same dynamic. Like, emotionally, it wasn't the same dynamic because you can't really get under Kirk's skin like that.
1: No, but it's just every time I see this, it's just like, fly away back to the FBI, little Stalin.
0: Yeah, but this was, bye, I bye, mean, bye. I'm sure it was deliberate.
1: Oh, yeah, totally.
0: The show borrows from stuff like that, and it doesn't bother me at all. It well, fit. it would
1: have, uh, what, uh, South of the Lions came out in what, 92,
0: 93? Uh, 90, 90 or 91.
1: Or is it really? Yeah. That uh, still would have been pretty recent.
0: Yeah. No, it would have been, and, and, you know, everyone was ripping that movie off for a while there. Oh, yeah. Just
1: no, I remember the, uh, I remember the flood of, uh, brilliant serial killer movies. Right.
0: And now there's some show ripping it off now. Yes. <laughs>
1: Take that, Tidro. <laughs> but i didn't I didn't mind it. go build a doll about it
0: <laughs> but i I didn't mind it at all. I think it fit because you had this guy who was you know pretending to be a psychopath and you had this tough woman trying to get to the bottom of things, and yep. you know the vibe worked mm-hmm. and uh and yeah, you're right, it's super easy to push her buttons it's it's, well, it's so crazy easy
1: there's that part where he's like uh where you you talked about this the the part where um he sort of flips the script on her. It's like, "Yes, now that you know who I am, I have some questions for you. Or are you too scared to hear them?" So of course, yeah, nobody, nobody calls nobody her calls chicken. Kira chicken. Right. So she goes and gets the chair and sits down.
0: Sits mm-hmm. backwards Riker style.
1: Yep. Because that's how you—that's how you get ready to be bombarded by
0: uncomfortable questions. Right. You got a Riker sit. Right. The chair will protect you. Yes. The chair back will totally protect you. In fact, I'm just looking over my notes now, and th- I'm looking at... She actually rises to, you're afraid to hear this? Boo. <laughs> Be- I'll show you. And But the thing is, you're not wrong. That that is, you know, her... <laughs> She's so not thin-skinned, but...
1: She it's it's really easy to manipulate Kira.
0: She's such a blunt character, there's no subtlety to her, and I'm, that's not even a criticism as to, to her, the way she's written or performed.
1: No, no, I look, I don't have a problem with the character. I think she, like, I think that's a great character flaw for her that she has to overcome over the next seven years. No,
0: and we got plenty of of characters who are layered and complex, and sometimes you just want a character who is who they are. You know yeah. what I mean? She doesn't have any secrets. She doesn't have any, like, you know, dark whatever. Everything about Kira is there on the surface. Yeah. And I like that about her. Mm-hmm. Um, we get a little tiny bit of her uh, burgeoning uh, friendship with um, Dax. Yep. Which is nice, given that Dax is almost nowhere, doing nothing for, you know, every episode this season. No, you
1: you, uh, you mentioned this when we were watching uh, Hands of the Prophets, uh... Dax doesn't do a whole lot this se- or this semester. What the yes, hell? this semester. This semester. <laughs> so she'd better uh, get in early, or she's going to miss registration for next se- for next year.
0: Now I'm now I'm trying to quickly in my head transpose characters in DS9 with characters from Community, and it's just not happening fast enough. No, I do. And plus, uh, Bashir and O'Brien aren't uh, Troy and Abed in the morning yet. No, they will be. Oh yeah, but not just yet. Uh, yeah, my notes, once, once again, when we get into these incredible superlative episodes like this, my notes end up saying things like, oh shit, and I love Cardassians. Yep. Like, there's there's really not much here. There is a, there's there's a great bit where, uh, uh, Gul Dukat calls twice. <laughs> he calls, he calls Cisco once and says, let our guy out. Yep. And actually, I think Odo calls him the second time.
1: Yeah, he does. He's, tr- he's trying to get the info on, uh maritza so they can finally figure out what the hell's going on down there right
0: and odo so expertly manipulates him yep he's like i'm not giving you our files what are you talking about like well
1: uh, you know uh it would probably work better for you guys if uh it turned out that he wasn't this guy oh damn it you're right
0: well i better give you access to our files then i suppose you'd better it's it's great seeing odo play their game and beat them at it yep it's, uh, I feel like there
1: was probably a lot of that going on back when Odo worked for the, uh...
0: Cardassians.
1: Uh, worked for the Cardassians. Yeah, there's
0: probably took him a while to figure it out. Yeah. But he's probably very good at that. Mm. Probably very good at seeing through people like Garrick, who are just lies upon lies. Yeah. And I think it would have been a very short episode if o- if Odo had been in charge of the investigation and just listened to Maritza.
1: Uh. Yeah, you're... N-
0: absolutely nothing you say is adding up. Right. But, you know, and there's actually a, a point of contention where Kira wants to be in charge and Cisco's like, no, you you can't be objective about this. Absolutely he, he liter- not. He liter- literally says, you're getting too close, Major. Right. Don't get too close. Don't get too close. But, yeah, she's she's impossible. The, the whole thing is that there is this mining camp and there was a disaster there and only the people there, only the people who were there have this rare disease. Mm-hmm. And so she's convinced that this guy had to be, you know, if you're a Cardassian and you were there... That makes you a criminal, yeah, and that's it. And it's nice to sort of explore that. And it's like, and it turns out he actually was there as, but the, he was just as the filing clerk,
1: yeah. But he was just doing a job,
0: right? And he has this great sort of breakdown at the end where he's like, "No, Maritza was a fool, and he was a he was a coward. He he cried when people were killing pejorans and I don't know. I really like that. I really like that's that. It's a
1: great scene, yeah,
0: where you you realize he's got this sort of weird self loathing,
1: yeah." Well, I can totally understand that. you got a guy who has to work at this, like, this prison camp where people are being tortured every day, and he can't do anything about it.
0: Yeah. It's pretty brutal.
1: And, I mean, like, you know how Cardassians work. Like, you, it's not like you can just transfer.
0: Right. No, and he was a, you know, he was an expert file clerk, and people marveled over his file clerking, and he destroyed yep. entire cities with his restaurant reviews. <laughs>
1: Also, uh, cries like the Cowardly Lion.
0: <laughs> a little bit, when he has his breakdown at the end. Yep. <laughs> What'd you go and do that for? What'd you have to hit me? <laughs> That's pretty good. Thank you. Uh.
1: Cowardly Lion impression doesn't come up that much, alas.
0: No, unfortunately not. We we need more Cisco and more Odo and, and less, uh, Burt Lahr. <laughs> if only he was a high-ranking admiral on this show or something. <laughs> I think he would have been about a hundred at this point. <laughs> Ugh, fight you with one hand, hide behind my back. Where am I? <laughs> uh, let's see. We covered our good things, bad things. What else?
1: Ah, uh, let's see.
0: Well, once again, just a fantastic episode where we just all sort uh, of sat and watched and said, "Yeah, this is pretty yep.
1: great." We got uh, Kira going over Cisco's head again.
0: Yeah, but she she's learned now. Yeah. She didn't go to a Starfleet admiral this time. She went to her chain of command on Bajor.
1: Yeah, someone who's going to agree with her and just, like, and who, you know, since Cisco kind of works for her, I'm much more likely for her to uh, get what she wants. Yeah,
0: and she can play the card of, well, this is an internal matter. This doesn't have anything to do with you. Yeah. Which she does. Mm -hmm. And the whole time, I love Cisco's objectivity the whole time. It's not like he wants to let him go or doesn't want to let him go. He's like, I have no proof. I can't. No. We can't hold this person because you think he shouldn't have this disease.
1: That's the thing.
0: Which is pretty great.
1: Yeah. And I, 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 lo- I love that because it's, like, I love his, listen, if it turns out he's a war criminal, you do whatever you need to do. Then it's your deal. But if he's just some guy, you can't execute
0: him. No, I'm not going to be the guy who who let, you know, a guy with no proof yeah. be uh, be accused of war crimes. That's not cool.
1: Yeah. And then uh-huh. when he confesses and it's like, well, now, it you know, he, you know, we, he's confessed. We, I guess we have all the proof we need. Yep. It's like no this still isn't adding up and I'm not going to ex- I'm not going to execute a guy who didn't do anything. Yeah.
0: No, just once again Cisco being a great leader and trying his best to be diplomatic and we see a lot more of that in the next episode yeah. but uh, we get a bit of that here as well.
1: Yeah. No, it's it's uh it's the politic the it's that politics of having to work for the Bajorans and Starfleet. I love it. Yeah.
0: It's the It built makes in... everything so fucking hard. It's the built-in conflict of the premise of the show which I like. Yeah. He's always going to have a hard time, you know, trying to make everybody happy. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of people go through at their jobs where, you know, you got conflicting instructions and you got to keep everybody happy. So it's relatable. I get that from time to time as well. It's like, well, yep. if I do this, then this person's going to yell at me. And if I do this, this other person's going to yell at me.
1: Is there any way for me to not get yelled at by anyone? Yeah. No. You know,
0: no. You know the Tompkins principle, as they call it. Uh, it's- <laughs> uh, what else? Anything?
1: Uh, let's see here. Mm. Nope, just a lot of me going, oh, man. Yep.
0: What? Well, and oh. I, I've seen this episode a number of times because, like I say, it is the, the first really great episode. And if I'm doing a sort of an encapsulated rewatch, this is usually where I start. Yep. And See,
1: the thing is, you as I was watching. You
0: either hadn't seen it or hadn't seen it in a long time. So. No, I
1: don't think I'd seen this one because uh, I went back, like, I think in the hands of the prophets is where I came in on my original mm-hmm. watch of uh, DS9. Right. And I just don't think I ever caught the, uh, like, the first, uh, like, 15 or 17 episodes or whatever.
0: Well, and and looking back, I mean, this has been a much stronger first season than Next Gen's for sure.
1: Oh, God, absolutely.
0: But it still doesn't really come into its own until these final two. Yeah. And looking back, it's not one of those shows where I would tell someone, well, skip season one and start in season two, because then you'll miss some really good stuff. Mm-hmm. And you do get to need to get to know these characters. But I would probably say... I don't know. Skip this one. Skip this one. Like, I, I would say out of these twenty episodes, I would, I would recommend maybe emissary twelve, uh, yeah, something like that, like a little more than half, yeah. But that's it. Then I would say, just eh, you don't, you don't need to watch if wishes were horses. You, you really don't. You don't need to see the storyteller.
1: No, Ugh.
0: you're fine. I actually have the list in front of me here, so I'm not. I don't. I hardly ever know these by title.
1: The list of most watched. Yeah. Fucking storyteller. Ugh.
0: Ah, it wasn't that
1: bad. Ah. 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 Quark. Quark.
0: All right. Um, well, let's uh, go ahead into my quote, which is a great sort of confrontation between Sisko and Gultucott, which we'll get much more of as the show goes on. I do appreciate the awkwardness of your position here, Commander. This Bashoran obsession with alleged Cardessian improprieties during the occupation is really quite distasteful. I suppose if you're Bajoran, so is the occupation. I just, I really enjoy when Cisco throws that shit back in his face. Yep. Oh. And that was fantastic. Oh, that's rough. Yeah, rough. Uh, it's really too bad for you. What about all the yeah. people who died? Oh, pff, oh, you know. Oops. I did it that's for the good of Bajor, Commander. the really good of Bajor. Right. All right, so pushing I'm forward.
1: Go, I'm Gold Dukat.
0: No, you're not. Oh, you've got to do better than that, Matt. I have to try. Mine's, you
1: have to enunciate. Mine's not speech. great,
0: but you're you're putting English into it, which isn't quite right. No, and you he have needs to be around
1: to. more. He's only been. He's. Well, and he yeah. to be able to pick up the the speech patterns.
0: the The main thing is that he speaks very slowly and delivers. Michael Caine sounds like this. <laughs> No, he speaks He speaks very slowly and deliberately. That's his whole thing. Well, Commander, I'll check I'm, my records. I'm
1: sorry, I'm just impressed by your Michael Caine impression now.
0: <laughs> I was actually Im- impersonating Steve Coogan, impersonating Michael Caine in that clip. Good enough. Very well.
1: But the cigars and a brandy. All in the back coffee. of his throat. In the back. She was only 16 years old. You, only had a she blood, was a, you were blood. only supposed to blow the bloody doors off!
0: I actually that's saw the right. uh, the movie that that's from. It's called The Trip. It was actually pretty good. Yeah, The Trip's good. Yeah, it was on Netflix. Good movie. So is The Italian Job. Ah. No, no, no The Trip isn't a Michael Caine movie. No, I know. <laughs> okay. I've seen The Trip. Ah, very well.
1: I just really like The Italian Job.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. How do you feel about In the Hands of the Prophets?
1: Ah, uh, I also like that. Why don't you tell us about it? Alright, so whilst in the middle of teaching a class, Keiko's classroom is visited by... Oh. Oh, no, no. I I, I thought we had more time than this. <laughs> oh, God. It's Vedic Wynne, one of the big wigs in the, Vajor- in the Bajoran religion and my greatest nemesis. Seriously, we try not to do spoilers on this show, but we ain't done with this bitch by a long shot. <sighs> anyway, so Vedic Wynn has some serious issues about how Keiko runs her school, since she prefers to teach, you know, science fact rather than... Bajoran witchcraft. So tensions start rising on the station as Bajorans start turning against Keiko, which is understandable, and Miles, which is bullshit, and eventually Sisko heads down to Bajor to speak with another big priest guy, Vedic Barail. Uh, Barail's a more easygoing priest, and he's got got a good chance of being the next Kai, so Sisko believes his judgment on this is going to carry some weight. Back on DS9, O'Brien and the cute Bajoran chick that he had helping him find a big pile of wet sludge in the Jefferies t- tube that used to be a crew member. Odo's, oh, I get to solve a crime in this episode, sense, starts tingling. That shit goes into overdrive when, uh, someone blows up Keiko's school, and it's a testament to how good this episode is that I am not completely disappointed when I learned that Keiko was not inside the school when it went off. So Vedic win and O'Brien's Bajoran sidekick meet up, and, uh, turns out the melted crewman was killed because he stumbled... No, he didn't. What the hell's wrong with me?
0: Hmm?
1: Uh, anyway... <laughs> did,
0: you, did you write the wrong plot?
1: Apparently I did. Well, fair enough. Uh, anyway, so, uh, he gets killed because he finds out they were trying to, uh, uh, split from the station.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Anyway, so, uh, Wynn tells Sidekick to go on with the assassination anyway because, uh, she'll get rewarded in heaven. God, I hate that bitch. Anyway, so Brial arrives, sidekick pulls a phaser on him, and then Sisko saves the day with a big slow motion. No. And wins slithers off to plot another day. Oh god, I hate that cunt.
0: <laughs> I noticed you switched your use of bitch and cunt like from the middle to the to the end there. I think you wanted to end on the strong one. That's a, that's yeah. a good choice. Oh, so so you were a little inebriated when you watched this episode the first time i think just a uh, touch i think that might have been where your stumbling block was there toward the end but
1: i'm (laughs) reading i was like he didn't stumble on the plot he stumbled on their escape he stumbled on their escaping
0: right well as long as the listeners are, are clear on that now i'm sure
1: yes he stumbled on something that's what's important here
0: right and then he's goo and he's not stumbling on anything anymore didn't turn into very much goo either no no, it's like there wasn't enough Odo last week, as like I was yeah. saying. Like, they just, they don't know how much goo makes up a person, I guess.
1: No, uh, O'Brien and I guess her name's Neela? Yeah. They go crawling around in the Jeffreys tube and there's this splutch of <laughs> what looks, it's a splutch of what looks like
0: chewing gum. It's a splutch from a Don Martin comic.
1: And O'Brien's just like, oh, there's not enough hair to make a person. <laughs> H- I'm gonna take this back to Dr. Bashir.
0: <laughs> My best friend.
1: My good friend. Actually no, I hate him.
0: Right. No, I think they're probably neutral right now. After I their little the... adventure in the storyteller, I don't think they hate each other anymore.
1: I ate Dr. Bashir. <laughs> and I ate the mess he left in the Jeffrey's oh, tube. Oh god.
0: <laughs> the odd thing is your O'Brien is starting to morph into a Mr. Splown impression. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> yeah, I was I was thinking, oh God, I love this episode and Matt is gonna hate it because it's Keiko versus Vedic Wynn. whom, as you say, ends up being uh, quite an adversary throughout the course of the series. Yep. Uh, But uh, you didn't
1: hate it. No, I didn't. It's a really good episode, and it tackles something that's really important to me, which is science versus religion. In case you haven't noticed, I got some very uh, specific feelings on religion that may have come up once or twice on this show.
0: Which side are you on, Matt? Oh,
1: gosh. (laughs) Well, you know, they both make such a compelling argument. (laughs) I, I what with to... science having facts and religion having not facts? Ah, but that's
0: the great thing about this show is that their gods do exist. We've met them, we've talked yep. to them, and the wormhole equals their celestial temple, and the the prophets equal the uh, the uh, prophets.
1: Yep the uh, the wormhole aliens. Right. So, yeah, I guess the cat's out of the bag on that one.
0: Yeah, we were wondering when that came up, because it happened in the pilot, and then nobody ever really said anything about it. No, but... Um, but Sisko is for sure the emissary to the prophets.
1: Yep, and they talk about that specifically. Right. They don't... They haven't uh, said that everyone on Bajor automatically assumes he's God, which is good.
0: No, it's not God, but it's more like a, you know, an emissary. The guy who,
1: the guy who talked to God. Right.
0: Exactly. He's, he's like the Moses in this uh Yeah, but, but still,
1: board. that's a big... Ba- that's a big thing in their religion. No, it absolutely. It's nice is. to see that not everyone thinks it's him,
0: right? Um, For example, uh, no, I think she completely believes that it's him.
1: Yeah, that's the problem with or uh, with a uh, Vedic win,
0: right? She completely um, devout. Yep, I think she believes it, and I think that's why she hates it. Yeah, because you know, here is the thing: if they think it is the uh, the the celestial temple. How have there not just been, like, like droves and droves of shuttles going up to the wormhole constantly to go talk to the gods?
1: See, that's the thing. I think there are. Like, we get, uh, the, the wormhole's got traffic coming in and out of it pretty regularly. Yeah, and I think a lot of those are Bajorans just traveling through the wormhole hoping to have their prophet encounter.
0: Right. Now, I
1: mean, I'm sure that they can't, they're not doing it constantly because you can't just have the wormhole be flooded by ships all the time.
0: Well, that's what I'm saying. It It feels like... I mean, think about this, you know, objectively, putting aside your feelings of, of religion, just thinking mm. about the, the show. This whole planet of, I don't know, a billion people or whatever it is, just discovered their gods are real, mm-hmm. and they exist right up there. Yep. Aren't, don't you think, like, every single one of them's going to want to go up there, some of them more than once?
1: Yeah. No, I think that that's happening. I think that they've probably got, uh, like, tours going through there, sort of like how what they uh, took Kai Opaka on. Mm-hmm back when she was on the show, where they just sort of go through the wormhole, hang around, and then go back.
0: But that seemed like a big deal. That seemed like, okay, we don't usually do this, but you are Kai Opaka, so... Uh, well,
1: I think that they, you know, at this point, they're going to have to, because, like, they're letting people go through the wormhole. There's no reason not to. They just need to regulate it so that the thing isn't crammed all the time.
0: I suppose that's true. So you got,
1: like, a daily, uh, you get like, a couple of daily shuttle tours through there.
0: Mm. Yeah, that might be a thing. I don't know. They've never said it, but I guess that makes as much sense as anything. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's
1: the problem, is that you've got, like, you've got, like, this thing that's basically got God in it. Right. And you've got a planet full of billions of people who all believe in that God. Right. So, like, you know, there's got, everyone's going to want to go up there. You just, there's got to be a way to, you know, organize it so that not everyone's trying to get through at once. But I
0: also get the impression that the prophets aren't talking to any of them.
1: No, no, not at all.
0: Like, for whatever reason, they only talk to Cisco.
1: Yeah, like that's that's his thing. I
0: mean, Cisco went in there with Dax, and they didn't even talk to Dax.
1: No, they just showed her a garden.
0: Right, but it was um, it, it was it's really interesting to me that uh, you know for whatever reason, and and I well, I suppose we'll get more into that as the show goes on. Mm-hmm. That he's it, he's the only one. Yeah, and that they've got their gods right there, and and too bad. You yeah, know? Th-
1: that's uh, I think that's one of the uh... like that's one of the things that. Wynn has her panties in a bunch over. I'm sure she's gone on that tour hundreds of times. Right. Because they, they say we're like seven months into DS9 at this point.
0: Something like that, yeah.
1: So that's like seven months since the wormhole popped open. And you know she has been through there hundreds of times waiting for them to say something to her. And they haven't. No. And that's one of the, like, that'll be one of the defining Yeah, that's why she's so pissed off about it. Yeah.
0: Like, oh, you. Because why not me? You, the Outlander, the the, the, you know.
1: We have your woman, Outlander! <laughs> I
0: don't have my woman. My woman's dead. Just walk away. <laughs> uh, so what was your good thing?
1: Uh, well, I'm sure that you were expecting me to put my great nemesis Vedic Win in my bad things, but no, no. Yes, I was. Here's the thing. Wyn's going to go down, going to be around DS9 for a long, long time. And I love hating her.
0: See, and that's the diff- that's the distinction I think we need to make. You hate her. But not the way we hated, I don't know, Tasha. Yeah. Or I, I need a better example because we didn't I hate, hate Ta-
1: Tasha. I hated <laughs> Or uh, Deanna back when she was useless. Yeah.
0: We we hated that this wasn't an effective character that was slowing everyone down, that just wasn't a good fit for the show. No. But that's not why you hate this character at all.
1: No. Vedekwyn is up among one of the best Trek villains because she's the exact opposite of guys like Dukat or Tomalak or Khan. She latches herself onto the series and you can't do anything about her right everything she says is in service to her agenda and everything she says is completely insincere yeah you
0: have to stop and process her dialogue because there's what she says and then there's what she's really after
1: she has this amazing ability to make the kind of sentence you've ever heard sound like go fuck yourself yeah like, she will shake your hand while she's stabbing you in the back, and then when you realize there's a knife in your back, she'll beg for forgiveness. Because it was just an honest mistake, she's not perfect, and maybe if we believe really hard, the pro- the Prophets will bo- will forgive both of us. Uh-huh. And it drives me fucking crazy. She's like nothing I have ever seen on Star Trek. She's this incredibly subtle villain, and I love it.
0: Well, and we talked a little about, um, she reminds us both a bit of uh, Dolores Umbridge from Harry Potter. Yes, where it's
1: that um, like you get it's this bureaucrat thing,
0: yeah. And this person controls people's lives, yeah. And she controls people's lives in such a self-serving, just corrosive, horrible way,
1: yeah. She the way she sends this chick off to die is horrible,
0: yeah. And they know she's she's gonna die, or they they assume.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. It's she flat out says it's like if I'm caught, I'm going to get executed, right. and if I don't have an escape shuttle, I'm going to get caught. And wins just like, well,
0: I guess you're uh, going to be a martyr now.
1: There's always heaven, right? I no, no. Even worse. Well, I, I envy you because you will be with the prophets soon enough.
0: Well, then why don't you do it? Oh no, no, and child. I have,
1: no, no, no. It's not my destiny. I have to toil.
0: Right. I have to continue you f- living.
1: You fucking bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You fucking
0: no, and that bitch. that is the sign of a great villain, a character that you love to hate. Yeah. And I don't know that next gen had anybody like that. Like oh, no. they, well, they had next, some good villains over time, but nobody that we truly felt that that just burning. You know, God, yeah. I hate this person.
1: No, I mean, like next gen didn't have a whole lot of. I mean, it had like a couple of reoccurring villains, and they were all kind of well, terrible. I,
0: but let's not even go reoccurring. They had some good villains, like mm-hmm. one offs. Like the guy who tortured Picard, for instance. Yep, but that's I, a good one. But I never hated him. No. I I, I kind of liked him. Yeah. And you get that with Gul Ducat as well as he becomes a bigger part of the show. Mm-hmm. You, you still wonder what his deal is and you still like why you can't trust him or whatever. He's still kind of, you know, I don't know, not, not likable, not sympathetic, but... But something like that. Not like, oh my God, get out of here. I hate you.
1: It's just like, oh, here's Gold Ducat again.
0: Yeah, but something about wind touches that raw nerve that I don't know if everyone has it, but you and I both have it. Yeah, I. Yeah.
1: It's the religion thing too.
0: I, to me, it always comes back to religion with me. I, to me, it's less religion and more the lack of reason, which is a slightly different thing to me. Mm. I don't know. It's bureaucrats. Yeah. I cannot stand bureaucrats when I'm going from point A to point B and their job is to keep me from, at all costs, from getting to point B. Yeah. That's their only job. They're not sympathetic. They're not, they don't want to help me. But at the same time, they're telling me they want to help me.
1: Yeah, but the worst part, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I'm, it's like, no, I'm doing this all for you. I'm helping you. Then why aren't I at point B yet? Right, exactly. Well, it's not in the prophet's
0: will. But it's like, you know, I don't know, my internet's out. And I call the helpline for help. And yep. it takes them hours and hours because they're not really trying to help me. They're trying to, I don't know, sell me something or whatever. You know, yep. like
1: run out the clock. Uh,
0: just awful. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she is so. And uh, the 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 woman who plays her, Louise Fletcher, yep. uh played and I believe won an Oscar for playing uh, Nurse Ratchet in, uh, in uh, One Flew Over the Cookies nest. nest. Yes, which is awesome. Same kind of character. Yep. Same kind of just awful. She's in charge of people and and you know using it using her power, abusing her power, and just, mm-hmm. oh, man. Yeah. Really, really well-written character, really well-performed character. Yeah.
1: No, she she's amazing. Yeah. And I fucking hate her. <laughs> yeah. I hate her like fucking poison.
0: And I was watching this episode, and I'm thinking, great, so it's her versus Keiko. Matt's going to love this episode.
1: Yeah. And, <laughs> and you did. like... That kind of goes into your good
0: thing. It does, which is, I can't believe I'm saying it, and i got to give credit where it's due. Keiko Mm -hmm. takes the sensible position of, and it's not just science good, religion bad. It's not that simple. It's, this is a school. This is the appropriate place to teach this. Yeah, The church is right next door. If you want to go learn about the prophets, go knock yourself out. I'm not going to stop you.
1: She says it in the first five minutes of the episode or something. It's like, it's not my job to teach about the prophets. It's my job to teach. Right.
0: Wynn is standing in the back of her classroom, and she's like, in fact, that's your job. Mm-hmm. Why don't you teach them that, and I'll teach them about the wormhole? Because – and Cisco and walks this great line mm-hmm. between the wormhole aliens and the prophets. And he does this through the entire series, but this is the first time it really comes up. And he does it just sort of masterfully. In fact, yeah. that, that feeds into your quote, I believe.
1: Uh, it does indeed.
0: Where he's talking to Jake, and he's trying to explain to him what uh, – What the deal is, and why he can't just take a hard position one way or the other. You've got to realize something, Jake. For over 50 years, the one thing that allowed the Bajorans to survive the Cardassian occupation was their faith. The prophets were their only source of hope and courage.
1: But there were no prophets, they were just aliens that you found in
0: the wormhole. To those aliens, the future is no more difficult to see than the past. Why shouldn't they be considered prophets? Are you serious? My point is, it's a matter of interpretation. It may not be what you believe, but that doesn't make it wrong. If you start to think that way, you'll be acting just like Vedic Wynn, only from the other side.
1: Yeah, because it's... The thing is, like, that's, you know, that's what these people believe. And it's their station at the end of the day.
0: And it makes it very uncomfortable for him to be the guy, you know, the, the, the emissary. The, yeah. Like, that, that adds a whole extra layer to it. Mm. And he still manages to, uh, it's you like, know...
1: Well, I'd, I don't believe that these guys are the prophets. I think they're aliens that have been in contact. Well, doesn't this, doesn't that make them the prophets? Well, I don't know.
0: <laughs> and that's what I love about this show is you can have it both ways. Yeah. You can have religion and you can deal with a whole aspect of society that Star Trek's never really touched before. Nope. Without really offending truly religious people because, hey, look, God exists in this show.
1: Yeah. You can just go look at him. Cisco did.
0: Yeah. And I like that. I like that if if you're a if you're a, a, a moderate religious person watching this show, it's not like oh great they're gonna you know spend every hour telling me about how science is right and religion is wrong. It's not that cut and dry on the show at yeah. all.
1: No, if you want that, just listen to our show. Yeah, I'll do it.
0: <laughs> I try to take the Cisco position, which is I know some of you believe this, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. You're a li- you're a little more hardlined, I would say.
1: Yeah, gr- uh, try growing up raised in the faith.
0: Yeah, not so much. Yeah, I was raised. um why don't you go to church with the neighbors? Maybe they'll teach you something. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you coming uh, with me? Oh, no. Oh, uh, I don't believe in that. Oh, I... heavens no.
1: Oh, honey. <laughs> uh,
0: but anyway, my, my good thing was Keiko, she stands mm. her ground on on very solid ground. Yep. Which is, you know, no, I'm teaching a school and schools teach facts and...
1: These are the facts. Yes.
0: And, and they're like, well, can't you just not teach the wormhole at all? And she's like, no.
1: Well, of course not. It's this huge part of these people's lives. These like, people
0: can look out the window and see this thing. I should probably teach them what it is.
1: Yeah. It's like, "Well, what's that thing?" "Oh, I can't tell you." Yep. Someone might get mad.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. That's a uh, it's
1: No, I I'm re- I was really impressed by this by by her this time. Like we
0: And I've always said that that um and I can't remember the actress's name off Rosalind the top of my head. Chao. Thank you. Right. I've always said that, yeah. I've always said that she's quite good at it. Like, they just, mm-hmm. they write her as this horrible shrew of a wife. Yep. In fact, uh, listen to our crossover episode next week if you want to hear the uh, the superlative example of that. Mm-hmm. Got a, a listener submitted us a song that was fantastic. <laughs> but, um.
1: But no, you got ha- to hand it to her for this one. She did a really well, I good, good job. She's
0: always done a really good job. Mm-hmm. But that's just the but, way they write like, her. But now they've given give- her something sympathetic to do. Yeah. And we're actually behind her. Yeah. And it, it goes, it, it, you know, it goes to show that her acting and the writing are quite good because the two of us haven't had one good thing to say about her for, you know, three seasons of Next Gen and one full season of DS9 now. Yep. And they managed to get us on her side, which is pretty so, damn impressive.
1: bravo to you guys. Yes,
0: exactly. Um, more interesting conflict for Kira in this one. Mm-hmm. As she's got to figure out whose side she's on and, and realize that... She does work for Cisco, and that doesn't necessarily mean she doesn't believe in the prophets. Yep, which is nice. That'll come up again. Um, I mean, that's
1: kind of like you know, the 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 two characters sort of like find w- ways to work together, but like you've still got that differing philosophy where uh, you know she's a devout. Uh, yeah,
0: and she is devout, too. She's very, you know, sort of hardcore about it. Yeah, she really is. She's standing there when Keiko's telling Cisco what's going on, and she's like, well, maybe you could teach about the Prophets.
1: I mean, you know, like...
0: The Prophets are a thing. They're right there. Yeah. Look at my ear. And Keiko's like, oh, no. Oh, man. I was, really? I was hoping I'd get you guys behind me on this one.
1: You're, you can't be like this. You're in the main cast. <laughs> nope, Sorry. <laughs> God damn it. I'm going back to TNG where no one believes in anything.
0: <clears throat> we get a lot of that too. We get a lot of very, very concretely saying that the Federation represents sort of atheism, godlessness, soullessness. Yep. They say they use, you know, those words. Yeah. Which is no, uh,
1: Wynn calls uh the Federation
0: uh godless. Yeah, godless. Yeah, and at one point she says that Cisco doesn't have a soul. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, pretty damn impressive. Yep. Like considering how controversial it was how con- relatively controversial it is now mm. but in 1993 on TV to just say yep all of these main characters are atheists
1: yeah well it's and it's quite a different change from uh, if you remember back to the original series where we have uh Kirk meeting I think it was the Apollo episode oh
0: yeah he says we only have one god or something yeah we like only that. have one god yeah and i i know Gene sort of implied in other places that everyone's sort of a you know an atheist and uh, yeah Religion hasn't really survived, but... Uh, but, it's, you know,
1: that was something you couldn't do on...
0: Right, in the 60s.
1: In the 60s or
0: now. Like I say, in the early 90s, it's still fairly impressive, and I think it's probably because it was so subtle, mm-hmm. and you really got to think it through to realize, wait, so that means Dax and O'Brien and Cisco, that means every, you know, everybody in the main cast doesn't believe in God, really?
1: Well, I mean, we talked about this, like, there's not a whole lot of humans on this cast.
0: Well, that too. Like, you know, like... But it still, it still paints... A portion of the cast with that very broad brush of, you guys don't believe in religion. hmm Which is pretty, you know, pretty progressive, I would say. Yeah. And, you know, even if you are a religious person, you, you, you know, this is the show. This is the, the reality that the show exists in, and I don't think it's particularly offensive. No, not at all. It's just, that's, that's what this future is. We won. Yeah.
1: <laughs> all right, high fives all around. All
0: right, Team Atheist. Woo! Oh, let's see. What else? I'm going to woo again. Woo! Woo it up, wooey. My bad thing. Well, you already covered my bad thing, which is is Cisco going, no, Uh, right before he stops the would-be assassin.
1: I would really appreciate if we could never have anyone go, no,
0: ever again. Well, in fairness, this episode is 20 years old. It was still a big cliche then. I'm not saying that. No, but I'm saying it wasn't no. completely, you know, completely dead and buried by Darth Vader in Episode Three.
1: That was really, uh, that was really the tombstone for that one, wasn't it? Yeah,
0: I'm pretty sure it was. And I quite like that movie, but that we we could have done without that. Where is Padme?
1: Yeah, is, she, is safe? she safe? Is she all right? Is she all right? It seems that sorry, well, I haven't done this in a while. That's okay. In your anger, you killed her. I, 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 I,
0: I, I mm,
1: No. Breaking stuff with the Force.
0: No. The episode three sketch, everybody. <laughs> oh, what was your bad thing? No. Uh,
1: so, uh, the whole science versus religion thing kind of gets swept under the rug when we uh, switch focus over to the assassination. Which is a shame because it's the thing I found the most interesting about this episode.
0: Well, it's like it's the kind of episode that starts with a smaller story and sort of escalates to something bigger. And when that happens, sometimes I think you lose the original plot.
1: And I'm not I'm not saying that like I didn't like the uh, the assassination thing. It was you know it was really interesting stuff. But so was the science religion debate. And
0: well, you're not going to. There's no real answer to that. Y- well, there is no real answer to that. Not really. I mean,
1: like, there isn't, but, like, you know, these people are, like, that school is going to need to be open tomorrow.
0: Well, that's true. And we, like just because Vedic Quinn was sort of implicated in the assassination attempt doesn't necessarily mean that they can now just, you know, go against her wishes. Yeah. Like, it's still going to be an issue, so. Like, you know, yeah. how many
1: how many students does Keiko lose? I'm sure there's quite a few. And
0: for all we know, it comes up again. Yeah. We don't know. I don't, because I don't remember all the, the details about the subplots and that sort of thing, so. Yeah. Uh, it's certainly I, possible.
1: And there shouldn't. My point is basically that there shouldn't be like a, we shouldn't just forget about this.
0: I suppose I I see where you're coming from, but I also think the story sort of demanded that things move on. And also, if you're gonna do something that's controversial in real life, you can't really have a neat answer and say this side is right. The end. You know what I mean? Like that's that's just not well, how. Then you that, that that's that. the
1: thing then, that it needs to like it needs to be an ongoing thing,
0: right? And but it might be for all we know. Yeah, that's true. The, um, I will give them credit because we've said this before. As much as Star Trek thinks it's socially progressive and tries to deal with real world issues, it hardly ever does in a way that's any good. Mm-hmm. This is one of those rare times where it actually does. Yeah. This is a real thing. It's a real thing that's still happening now, 20 years later. Mm-hmm. And it's a thing that the show tried to address in, a, in an intelligent and fairly objective way. And
1: did a pretty good job of it. Yeah,
0: I would say so. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you know... People always say that that's what Star Trek does. Mm -hmm, Not really. Mm -hmm. Next Gen tried it a few times and it didn't do a very good job of it and then it just kind of stopped. Yeah. Or or you get episodes like Force of Nature. Uh Where you're trying to talk about the environment and it just comes off as, you know, terrible. Don't
1: bring your bad episode into these two good episodes.
0: (laughs) Well, compare and contrast, man. That's what it's all about
1: force of nature
0: also i did compare uh duet to uh, let that be your last battlefield that was pretty uh
1: yeah but i don't hate "Let that be your last <laughs> battlefield as much as i hate force of nature in fact I qu- i'm quite fond of let that be your last battlefield you just
0: like the title
1: i do like the title and i also like frank gorshin doing laps
0: what else uh let's see here
1: Oh, I want to talk briefly about uh, the Mourn cameo, which we both
0: <laughs> thought was pretty ridiculous. Vedic Barra shows up like a rock star. Like, he's this hugely popular religious figure in Bajor. And yeah. You, you well, get... he's going
1: to be the next pope, basically. Right.
0: And he gets there. and But he's also sort of young, sort of good looking, and that's probably part of it, too. Yep. And um, he he gets to the airlock. He comes out. There's a throng of, of Bajoran extras and Mourn. Yep. <laughs> Morn, really excited to
1: see this uh, Bajoran religious figure.
0: And so I thought, okay, maybe uh, maybe he was just on his way somewhere and this throng sort of happened around him and he's trying to go home. But yep. no, as they're following him, he's like at the front of the crowd trying to touch the guy.
1: Woo! Vedic Barayal! I touched his robe! I touched his robe! He's going to he's gonna be in Quarks later on. It's like, and I got to meet Vedic Barayal, and he was so nice. God, he
0: just won't shut up about this. Ugh. <laughs> I love Morn. Yeah, me too
1: great design on that character.
0: Well, there's, you know, and, and once again, we see some really great alien designs in this one, you know, but it's mostly Bajorans. Yep. I'm, I, I mentioned that in my summary briefly. This episode's got, what, like 50 Bajorans in it. Yep. Which is really why our main alien race is such a, such a lazy makeup job. <laughs> because yeah, it doesn't, you, uh, Because you have to have that.
1: Yeah, it doesn't bother me with the Bajorans for some reason. I don't know why. It, no, me neither. I think... It's just... It, I guess it's because I like the design. You know, I like the I like the nose crinkle, and I like the earring.
0: I don't dislike it, but I understand, in, like, that gives you the opportunity in an episode like this to fill the station with Bajorans, mm-hmm. whereas if they were Ferengi, there's no possible way you could do that, no, or no. Cardassians, or, you know, anything with a heavy makeup drop, Klingons, just, there's no possible way.
1: Yeah, now you need something you can slap on right. so we can get to work.
0: Yeah, and most of them are in the background anyway, and they're probably not even applied, like, No, really or it's well. really
1: sloppy or something, right. yeah. Right,
0: it doesn't matter and since it's just never coming out on blu-ray, it doesn't really matter.
1: <sighs> Incidentally, the trailers for uh Enterprise season 5 on blu-ray went up this week, so uh
0: check that out. Well, in fairness, they shot that show in HD to begin with. Nah. It's super easy to put on blu-ray. That's not uh that's not, you know, anybody's fault really. Nah. Yeah, I know. All right, you got anything else about this one?
1: Uh, let me just have a quick look here. There's a lot of good lines in this one, actually. Oh, yeah, I had a really. hard time picking a quote. There's a great one where um, where uh, uh, Cisco's talking to Vedic Barail down on uh, Bajor, and uh, he's talking about how uh, Boral can't really support him right now because he's kind of a controversial figure. Right. Ciscos just like, ah, it he's like, the, the prophets have taught us patience. <laughs> Cisco's like, yeah, apparently they also taught you politics. Yep. Which I like quite a bit.
0: No and it's it's great Cisco while he is incredibly diplomatic and and you know so forth he's not afraid to call people out on their bullshit either. No which is nice. <laughs> uh And I mean
1: I like like Baral like really I think I get the feeling Baral really likes Cisco and he's yeah. looking forward to you know when he becomes Kai like helping the guy out quite a bit. Yeah he
0: likes him and he also believes that they're on the same side ideologically.
1: Yeah. But right now he still needs to become Kai, and that's not going to happen if he's siding with uh right this guy who thinks who maybe thinks he's the emissary or is the you know the face of the federation who maybe shouldn't be there all this crap right you know i like I, I like all this crap quite a bit
0: I do and it really surprises me how much you get into the religion and politics of this show when you in real life have no interest in religion or politics mm. That's just, that's always been interesting to me.
1: That's, you know, I, uh, listen, I couldn't tell you about the politics, where the politics came from at all. Hmm. But, uh, you know, you get raised as a Christian for as long as I did and then get out of it. And
0: No, I understand. That I, thing tends, that kind of thing tends to, uh, take root. That I understand. What I don't understand is why do you then really get into it in a fictional sense?
1: Um, I don't know. I like aliens. Oh, that's fair. Quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Problem solved. I, uh, I wish I could tell you.
0: No, no. I'm just that, That's my own curiosity. That's uh, and and I wonder if maybe the any of the listeners might have wondered that as well. But uh, you're a complicated man. We'll just leave it at that. That's true. All right. Well, time to wrap this up. Any final thoughts on this one?
1: Um, I think that's it. Really good episodes.
0: Yeah, t- both. Like I say, not only really good episodes, but two really strong. Okay, this is the show I signed on for. Yeah.
1: No. This is this is what DS Nine is.
0: Yeah. And if you don't like these two episodes, you're probably not going to like where the show's going because this is this is what we respond to. This is the great stuff. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of moral ambiguity, like not necessarily being a right or wrong, mm-hmm. and a lot of, you know, uh, questioning your beliefs, questioning, you know, what you're really into, and if it's at cross purposes with someone else, how you live with them. and Yep. Like I say, very Star Trek, but in a very different way.
1: Yeah. It's like this is you know it's in the spirit of jane's vision but like it does it differently yeah. than tng ever did
0: but it's still all about how to learn how to get along yeah at the end of the day and how to you know build this future together which is mm-hmm. which is nice i like that i like that yeah. they didn't completely change the core of what star trek is about to create this show that has more conflict and stuff in it yeah all right. So, as ever, our website is postatomiccore.com. You want to write to us, it is postatomiccore@gmail. at Gmail. Next week, we will be off, and we will be posting, instead of uh, a usual review episode, our crossover episode, which I guess is going to be an annual thing now, with uh, Drunken Time Travel. Yep. Our uh, our two friends, Irish and English Gav, who do a Doctor Who podcast and it is a delight we uh mm-hmm. we swap episodes they review a star trek episode we review a doctor who episode and it's a lot we of fun. review
1: a much worse ep- uh doctor who episode yeah
0: they uh they definitely made out on that one uh we also answer your mail so if you've yep. written to us in the last whenever it's however long it's been since our last supplemental episode I think it's been a while yeah it's been three or four months uh the answers will be there and we do yes. we do answer all the mail that we've gotten so um I think we're taking an extra week off after that. I can't remember offhand, but uh, we'll, yeah. we'll be back with season two soon. Yep. And uh, until then, Matt, take us out. See you, folks. The Post Atomic Horror Podcast is a co production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2013. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.